All right, everyone, we want to welcome you to Slow Motion with Bishop Bowser. And today I have my guest with me, and this is Era Meek Glass Blake, and we call her Mika <laughs> for short. And so um, uh, uh, today we want to just um, uh, highlight um, Sister Mika, you know, and, and, and talk about the work that she's doing in the community. She's doing a lot of work, you know, put her body on the line uh, so many times, you know, and, and, and going to jail, being arrested, you know, going to court, all type of things. You know, some people got breaks, but they didn't give her one, right? She had to fight all the way uh, just to um, uh, get justice for herself along with fighting for other people. And so with all the things that uh, she's been doing, uh, we want to highlight that. But also, you know, she's, she's running for office. So we want to make sure that um, uh, we, we highlight that too and, 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 uh, people know about her running. She can tell us why she's running and what that's all about. And so that everybody can uh, get an understanding of it. And so um, we, we, uh, we want to, you know, thank you, uh, Mika, for being on Slow Motion with Bishop Bowder. Welcome to the show. How things going? Good, good. Thank you, Bishop Bowder, for allowing me to be on this platform with you today. Um, you know, I love you and, and you're always a, a huge support um, for years, yeah. years now. Yeah, been years now. We've been going strong with the work. And Amen. so I'm really honored to be on with you tonight um, and, and have a real conversation. Right, right. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, I kind of uh, always knew because, you know, I've seen, you know, before we got to know each other and, and have those conversations and things like that, I know like um, – I always like uh, uh, we talked and so I always kind of knew, you know, that, you know, running for political office was one of your aspirations. Because when we first started having conversations, that was one of the first things you were talking about. You know, back then it was city council. But then, of course, um, um, council member stepped stepped in that because I knew you was looking at that. And then you stepped back on that. Then I knew you was, you were going to run for Congress. You were telling me, hey, you, I'm going to run for Congress and so on. So I always knew, you know, sometimes when people give it a run for office. They, you know, they let people push them up there or uh, some folks do it for attention and things like that. But I know this was actually a uh, inspiration or sub or, or a passion that you've had. And since I've first get gotten to know you, you were always talking about that. I was kind of, I said, you want to do what? Right. <laughs> you said, yeah, yeah. I'm going to run for, I'm going to, you know, I'm running for political office. That's my aspiration. And that's what I'm going to do. So I most, mm -hmm. I most, uh, uh, so it's most definitely appreciative. And we understand that and know that. So, uh, you know, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself first and some of the work that you're doing in the community, who are you? You know, I mean, you know, we, yeah. I know who you are, but a lot of people probably think they know you don't know even myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, um, you know, everybody knows me as Mika, and I am born and raised in San Diego. I'm pretty much throughout the county of San Diego, but, you know, my home is Southeast San Diego. Um, you know, I was definitely raised in, in Southeast, and um, really, I come from a very diverse family, so my you know, background is like, there's not one area of San Diego that I haven't either lived in or spent a lot of time in. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I do, you know, I'm one of those San Diego natives that claim, you know, my whole County, um, and, and really love it here. Um, I, I went to, um, I, I tell people I'm a product of, 
a public school, charter school, and private school. Oh, wow. I went to multiple private Christian schools. Um, I had a really hard time in the education system. And so um, my mom would try out public schools. If that didn't work, We went. To, I went to Nubia Leadership Academy, which is at Bayview. Um, and it was an amazing charter school, particularly for black kids. Um, I, I don't want to date myself. I am 33, but it was... <laughs> I was part of the first class of Nubia. Um, and then um, I ended up graduating from a private Christian school, um, high school called Grace Christian in Claremont. I went to Eastlake High. So I pretty much, you know, I'm all throughout San Diego. And then um, one of the things I think that a lot of people may know, um, and I talk about a lot is like my faith and I have, uh, a grandfather who is a bishop as well, oh, yeah. uh, Bishop J. Blake, mm -hmm. and then my other grandfather, God rest his soul, he was a deacon at Bayview Baptist Church for 50 plus years. And one of the things that people don't know, he served in the military. Then um, when he came out here, he retired from the post office. And then he was the realtor that bought up a lot of the lands for the different churches and particularly Bayview. Um, and so my mom was one of 10. And uh, my dad is, he's still here. He's an architect um, and, and uh, does military contracts. So my deep roots in, in, you know, San Diego and in the church, you know, world um, are deep, deep in the Kojic, you know, side and the Baptist side. Um, but I'm a juvenile justice, uh, restorative justice consultant and counselor. And then I'm the director of an organization called Generation Justice, which is the youth-led activism organizing and advocacy organization um and i pretty much advise many of the public officials and you know law enforcement um creating equitable um policy reimagining what public safety looks like re um imagining and reconstructing what school culture discipline looks like and the implementation of restorative justice and restorative practices, right? So I do a lot of conflict resolution um, within departments, organizations, and um, school institutions, um, really trying to find and implement uh, equity, accountability, and transparency in every policy that we're creating and making, and making sure that things don't harm um, but are actually helping and what are we doing when we create policy? What is our structure to make sure that we're not, um, we're not harming, you know, we're not creating policy that ultimately harms some and helps others. We need to make sure that it's helping everyone across the board. Um, and so I guess like my messaging is, is that, you know, we really need to be um, intentional about equity we need to really be intentional about equality we need yeah. to be intentional about just and righteous policies and laws so that's pretty much what i do hey, you know and and uh, amen now before we move forward I, I i know folks are coming in those that are coming in to to watch this share this uh live feed tag someone invite somebody to come on in so that they can listen to this conversation um I was messing with Mika, so I'm going to mess with y'all. I know this, you're celebrating the pagan day, Valentine, <laughs> you know. Uh, what I can't stop it, right? If I could stop I it, I would <laughs> try to stop everybody. But um, uh, the, I, we know that this is kind of like somebody's holiday or what have you. But 
let's take the time out right now to um, uh, invite folks in. And let's, if you have a comment, you have a question for uh, Mika, for sure, ask that question because um, uh, we most definitely want to be engaging here. And so I'm watching uh, from one perspective, we're doing a live interview, but I'm also watching comments. And, and so if you, you give a comment, we'll pause and, and most for sure ask um, uh, Mika in regards to that question and so on. So, so when did you start Generation Justice? I started Generation Justice, oh my gosh, I think it was 2000, I want to say 2017. Okay. Um, and actually, interesting story, I was working with you and mm -hmm. others, um, other leaders over at, at SDOP. Right. Um, and I came up with the concept with my sister of Generation Justice mm -hmm. back when um, Alfred Alongo was killed. Right. And we were out there doing a lot of the conflict resolution piece, you know, work. And from that, seeing how devastated my sister was, I really wanted to create a space for young people to mm -hmm. advocate mm -hmm. um, for the changes and, and the justice that they wanted to see. Right. And how... Um, how generation justice really unfolded was Lincoln high school was having some issues. Right. At, and they called me in like many folks do when, when some, some stuff is going down. Mm -hmm. And, um, I ended up, you know, I was dealing with somebody at the organization that I was working for SCOP, who was not very supportive of me, um, doing a lot of the things that I was doing. So I took off of work and I really started to, you know, fight and advocate for these students, parents and teachers at Lincoln high school. Mm -hmm. And from there, um, uh, it was interesting because the, the rabbi of the superintendent St. Marion, she threatened me with the rabbi because the rabbi was part of SDOB as well. And so from there, Generation Justice kind of came to life. This concept that we had already been thinking of came to life. And so for months, we were fighting for um, what the choice that the parents, students, and teachers had made at Lincoln High School. Um, and we, we fought until we ultimately got what we were fighting for. Amen. Amen. So, you know, so now I know, like we, uh, like I mentioned at the beginning, you know, I always knew that you had aspirations to run for political office and, um, you know, and, you know, just a matter of finding or, uh, you know, finding that spot, that place for you where you fit in. And so I know that um, you're you're running for an office. Can you tell us um, what what's going on as far as with um, uh, what you're doing right now, as far as politically and, and being a candidate and all that? Tell us what, what you're doing. Yeah. So I am running for California State Assembly, the 79th um, Assembly District that um, formerly Dr. Shirley Weber um, held that seat. Um, she went on to, because Alex Padilla was put in Kamala's seat, Dr. Weber was then appointed by the governor to be um, in uh, the Secretary of State seat, which now the seat for the 79th Assembly is vacant. Um, so I'm currently running. Um, there are four other people in the race. Um, and I, you know, like you said before, I went from thinking about city council. Uh, I knew that probably wasn't the right seat for me. Um, but, and I'm very, you know, me, I'm very strategic about how I move and, and, and being very intentional about making sure 
that it's where God wants me to go, but mm-hmm. also, um, you know, God gave me a certain set of skills and gifts. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think that would be best utilized sitting on the school board or sitting here or sitting there. So I'm very strategic and intentional mm-hmm. about how I move. Um, I never foreseen uh, the 79th becoming open, right? Um, for multiple reasons that, you know, I won't get into unless people ask me about it. But um, I, I didn't foresee it being open and I really seen Congress. So I ran for Congress prior to getting sick. Um, and I ran because I really wanted to um, have a seat that that not only created policy, but was an oversight um, structure or, or government that was really about um, transparency, looking into things, being that oversight and being that accountability and balance to other higher powers. And so Congress shares obviously power with the Senate and the the president, right? So I felt like that was perfect for me. Um, and assembly is very similar. So instead of it, you know, assembly sharing um, like Congress power with the Senate and the president, the assembly shares power with the governor and um in the senate and i think you know within the assembly seat you have the ability to really create um a lot of people don't do this well they either do one or the other they either do policy really well or they do programming implementation constituent services case management really well right they do one or the other um and i because of my background and experience in both Um, And that accountability um, and oversight piece of it, I felt like, wow, other than Congress, this would be an amazing seat for me. Um, I thought I was just after being sick and almost, you know, losing my life. I really thought I was just going to be a diplomat and work on conflict resolution and work on policy um, more from, you know, cause you always, you always laugh and joke and you're like, Mika, you're so diplomatic and you're, you always <laughs> look at everything. And I think people have seen me so much in the spotlight, mm-hmm. fighting for justice, shutting stuff down, getting arrested. They don't really know the, all the work that I do behind the scenes that has to really work with the individuals that I, oh, you know, openly fight with, um, right. in the public eye. So right. So it's interesting, you know, position to be in and role that I've I've played in our our community and in the political structure. Um, I'm either everyone's best friend or I'm the most hated person there is. And it just depends on the day and the situation. Right. Um, But within assembly, I think, you know, for me to really have the ability and the power to create policy that um, that also trickles down to our and not tr- i don't even want to use the word trickle downs but directly impacts people in our community their everyday lives right whether it be education whether it be economic development um and whether it be employment whatever that looks like um we are able to create programs and policy that that are interconnected with each other and if you can do both well you you can be amazing in that seat and you hold so much power and resource direct state you know directed resources to your 
direct community that needs it the most. Amen. Um, so it's, it's the middle ground between your local uh, policy, policy structure um, and legislation and your federal um, national letter legislation. Um, you're really advocating for California, your state as a whole. So right. I, I'm really excited to, to be writing. So, you know, and, and, you know, with Shafat outreach and, uh, the work that I do gang and, uh, gang violence, um, uh, a lot of times we just say gun violence prevention or, um, violence prevention and intervention. And with that work and working specifically with my focus is, is gangs in the streets and things like that, especially what's happening to black men and so on. I, I think it's, it's very important for uh, uh, those folks that, you know, normally, you know, they don't think in terms of how legislation impacts their life, right? Because, you know, when you when you look at Proposition, well, the Proposition 21, that impact that had that gang conspiracy piece in there that had a lot of folks getting locked up and so on, that, that was a proposition. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these things that happened happen up in 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 the state legislature, right you know when you talk about police accountability when you talk about the gang um uh, uh cow the, the the cow gangs right okay. and when you talk about the database they have with that when you talk about uh, uh the prison system which most of our people are impacted by especially black men are impacted by it all that is impacted from the governor down to uh state legislators uh whether the senate or in in uh, the assembly, and you know one of the things is is I I know like being a state representative for assembly district uh, seventy nine, you know whoever get that district if it's you or whoever, uh, part of that job is you know pass making sure that laws, just laws are passed, but also to to hold the government accountable right for the things that are happening and whether it's the the governor and his branch or. Uh, them down there should be a great great accountability and we need folks to do that I know one of the things that I've that really disturbed me with all the things that we're doing is um, that uh, uh, quite a few of our assembly people who was in office uh, was getting money from the police union right they were actually taking they took donations even and so now I know why some of these bills are watered down that they're really saying is great but they're not that great they were watered down and 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 I was told this about these bills, like AB 392, I think it is. I was told that the bill was watered down. So, no, that's not what I was told. And this was the gentleman that did the research and everything and then come to find out that it, it actually was and, and, and these folks were taking money from unions and so on, you know. And so uh, how do you, you know, w- what's going to be different about you from the perspective of that accountability, right, holding them accountable, campaigning, because it's going to be tough for you, Right. Uh, in campaigning and 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 taking union police union or police officer association money, whatever you want to have way you want to label that. You know, how, how are you going to do those two things? Hold uh, these the, these legislators and, and the, the, the government branch and all of them accountable if you get in the office and how and and how you going to get there. Well, I should say first how you going to get there, because, you know, are you going to take police union money and all those different types of things like a lot of these folks did. Even when you if you get in the office, are you make are you can you make a commitment not to take police union money like they took and nobody really cared and there's no accountability there. And and are, and how would you hold them accountable? Right. 
So, um, and, and and I'm talking to you like you don't know these things about me. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. Don't, like you, you don't know. So, um, which is great because, you know, there's a whole audience of folks that don't know my record right. and don't know my history. Right? right. I I think, you know, for me, I'm not going to do much that is different than what I've already been doing. Right. And I've been one of the leading people that have been holding the police unions accountable. You know, I have been, I, I am not a liked person in the union. Um, and, you know, so the odds, I would say, are against me because there's not many people who have ambition and have the desire to be in office who won't compromise and do whatever it takes to get there and stay there, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, um and because of my faith, right? I, I don't have the, I don't operate out of what Aramik wants to do. God, if God told me to, to go this path and direction, mm -hmm. um, the only way I'm going to make it there is by staying true to what I'm supposed to be doing and what he's called me to do. Right. And so on a policy or political level, um, no, I'm very much committed to not taking police money. It, it's never going to happen for me, right? Um, and and when I say this, you know, I'm very transparent about my work with law enforcement, my work with the police. Like I've always been open about that. I've all and and because I'm so connected with the streets, you know, mm -hmm. there's other folks that I gotta, you know, talk to and gonna look at me crazy if I'm doing certain things. And so. I've always kept that open line of communication to say, hey, this is what I do. This is where I am willing to work with them. This is where I do come together with them. But this is where I will always hold them accountable and always come up against them if they are trying to implement something that is unfair, that is not just, that is criminalizing whole communities, that is locking our, our black and brown folks up, but beyond just black and brown. Yeah. Um, I always talk about how this country uses people up. So our veterans and other yeah. folks, it, it uses people up and then throws them away. Right. right. And if, right. if they now are dealing with mental health, whatever the case may be, our unsheltered population, then they end up being criminalized because there's policies to keep them, um, you know, uh, uh, basically to keep our, our city and our state looking my grandma calls it nice, nasty, looking <laughs> a certain type of way, giving the illusion of something, but not really um, what they're trying to, you know, paint California and San Diego out to be. So I think, you know, for me, there was reasons why I didn't support certain people, whether it be for mayor, other things, right. because they took police union money. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm very adamant about not taking, you know, police um, money. I'm very adamant, special interest as a whole, right? Um, so, so to answer your question, that makes it very difficult when you are an independent um, mind mm -hmm. and you are constantly having to hold folks in the establishment accountable, hold folks in these unions accountable, um, and then also you're in this space of fighting for your community, but at the same time trying to better your community and understanding that even um, accountability within your own community is attached to um, uh, restoration, right? And so 
Um, I think that is why I really want to be in a position to show people what it actually looks like to not compromise, to hold folks accountable, but to still be able to get things done. Mm -hmm. And I think people are so used to being tied to their political Mm -hmm. parties and establishments and their cliques and the popular group that no one is really, everybody's so divisive, no one's really getting anything done. And then you want to basically, yes, and I will say this about like the watered down policies. If, and and I said this with some other folks on a local level who had to do some stuff that we didn't understand. Sometimes in politics and policy, you might have to make the first step in the right direction and not get all you want, but take what you, what you can get at that point because you don't have enough of those votes. And until you can get there, you need to take what you can get. That is where I, I you know, would potentially move if that was the case. But as far as me not doing the right thing based on the favors I owe because mm-hmm. people helped get me elected or the mm-hmm. money that was attached to my campaign. And so now I can't put forth policy against these folks. That's never going to happen for me, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and that defeats the purpose of, of being in the seat in the first place right. because we're trying to change some things around. And let me just say this, you know, because with me. Um, you know, people think I'm extreme. So when I say things, people just dismiss all that's just about it. That's him. You ain't nobody listening to him. But, you know, um, I have observation. I see a lot of things and, and especially in politics and, you know, um, what you just said with compromise, there has to be compromise. And I clearly understand that. But the problem Mm -hmm. that I have is that like, when you look at people like, uh, Assembly Member Lorena Gonzalez Fletcher, uh, a, a, a former Assembly, now Secretary of State, Dr. Shirley Weber, uh, they took money from the union, right? Mm-hmm. And and the community gave them a pass on it. And and that kind of, when I went back and looked and saw how there was a compromise on AB 392 and it's watered down and so on, um, even though you got something, but you didn't get what we were originally supposed to get, and then you start thinking like, well, why was there a compromise, right? Mm-hmm. You know, was there a compromise because of lack of good integrity, you know, and 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 uh, a person that's really like compromised because they want to get the best for the community or was it mm-hmm. a compromise because we're paying you? You better do that or, you you know, you won't get that support from us anymore. And right. you know, some politicians are straight up quiet. The other mm-hmm. issue that I have with politicians is, you know, they pass laws sometimes that they think are helping the community but it's hurting Mm -hmm. the community, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, how are we going to um, get our communities, you know, Mm -hmm. involved in this political process to understand what's going on? Because when you're in office, you're going to need that support, you know, and Mm -hmm. of course, I've been up to Sacramento many times lobbying different candidates. You see all these these folks up there, different groups, lobbying for different things and so on, and sometimes you come together on that. But, you know, and you have different groups in San Diego that's up there. But Mm -hmm. the people who are impacted the most and closest to the pain, um, you don't really they don't seem they don't seem to be an interest in them. So how do you have do you have any uh, any plan or are you like if you get in office tomorrow and or April? What is April 4th? April something. Uh, April 
April 6th. April 6th, yeah, when they have election, you get elected. How will you be able to, will you start communicating with the community, get those people who really should be at the table and really understand, you know, that uh, politics play a major role in how our community, how our community is impacted and underserved and oppressed and over-policed and, and all these different things, right, that intertwine and work together, you know, how will you do that? Versus, you know, so what some of these other politicians just, they just continue to really harm the community. We think they're helping the community. They might pass one law to help the community, but they pass another law to take the community three, three steps back. Backwards. Yeah, backwards. backwards. Yeah. There's, there's a few things that you said that I want to kind of tap into. Okay. Um, you said, will you, you know, get the community and, and make sure that people are at the table and, and have a seat at the table. And for me, I think that's the issue. We, we have too many politicians and not enough public servants. And right. for me, the way in which I lead is not, you know, I'm, you know, me, I move very fast, like boom, 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 boom. But one of the things and one of the reasons why I've been able to achieve most of what I've been able to achieve was because of coalitions that were built within the communities that I serve. I was not operating, you know, solely just Aramik. It was always people like yourself and a whole host of others who um, are there to put our minds and our experiences and all of that together to create something that works for not just us, but everyone who we say we are serving. And I think that's the difference is that a lot of times, and, I, and I, that's how we get our community engaged, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. They need to see repre representation that not, only looks like them, mm -hmm. but representation that they actually have fought alongside, representation that they are confident in. Like, I know that you don't put all of your confidence in anybody except for the Lord, right? Mm -hmm. I know that about you, Bishop. <laughs> but there's some stuff that people can say about me to you, and mm -hmm. you're going to be like, nah, right. I'm going to check right. this out with, you know, because exactly. you know You've seen when the cameras are around mm -hmm. what I'm about. And the same thing vice right. versa with you. There's some stuff people can't bring me because I'm like, not not Bishop. Right. And if so, I'm going to talk to him. Exactly. And I think we don't, a lot of times, there's a disconnect on who's representing us mm -hmm. and who's actually in these positions. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they are not directly connected to the community. So how can you really, truly, comprehensively look at policy in a way of who is this going to help? Who is this going to harm? And how do I make this um, in a way, implement this in a way that it does not harm anyone? How do I make these minor changes in policy or not water this down, but maybe change this over here to make sure that, hey, I'm not just looking out for the black folks or I'm not just right. looking out for the Latino folks or mm -hmm. I'm not just looking out for, you know, the X, Y, and Z. I'm looking out for everyone right and that is not how policy is really thought of and i think once people start to see transparency once people start to see actual fairness once people start to see an actual fighter and when i say fighter like fighting also means like strength but also strategically 
in a mindset of like, I'm going to come to you if, if we're working on a policy and I know that I can't get this policy uh, passed without X, Y, and Z, I need to be transparent with my community and those who have been working on me with this so they can get it out to the broader community on why I'm moving this certain type of way. Now, police union money, there's just certain things I'm never, it, it just stay over there, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you see me working with the police or working with law enforcement, you're going to easily say, that's always been me good. Let me ask you something. Let me ask yeah. you something, not to interrupt you, because uh, I do want you to complete your thought, but uh, the, the thought just came to my mind I want to ask you as far as mm -hmm. running for office right now, um, uh, you know, you have a lot of labor unions that's out there, you know, that most time push towards Democrat. Are any of them supporting you or endorsing you or anything like that? No, no. Let's put it like this, Bishop. You know who my endorsements are going to be from? Community who? members. Okay. Community that's what organizations. You need. Yeah, absolutely. Com the community throughout the 79th. It's, it's not going to be labor unions mm -hmm. because... I'm not, I'm, I'm looking, even though labor members mm -hmm. are very much connected to their communities and move a certain type of way, they're not always the ones making the actual decisions. Mm -hmm. It's the labor leaders. Right. And those are all backdoor <laughs> deals with their minds already made up. Uh, yeah, right. That's right. So you have, that's um, right. And I hear Leticia is an amazing advocate Who for... Who is that? Oh, she's running for office, She's right? She's running for the same seat. She's an amazing advocate. I'm, I don't know her. I've met her yet. Are they I'm all endorsing her? Labor. Labor's endorsing her? It, there, it's either going to go to Akila or her. Labor is split right now because Leticia has done some amazing things within labor mm -hmm. as, a, as a lawyer. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then you have the Democratic Party who already made up their mind because they want to support the you know dr weber's daughter and um based off of who dr weber is and the power sh she has um and so it leaves people like me who many of these both entities have used me when they could right mm -hmm. um and 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 <laughs> when i say use me like i don't do anything that i you don't wanted, want yeah, to yeah, do exactly. right but at the same time I always say you you will use our our voice and our resources and our connection with our communities to get what you want, and then once you got it, the support goes away, right? Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. that's what's really happening right now is that people are afraid of the two power structures, so they're either going to go with this power structure or this power structure, and then a person independent like me, people are always like, well, who is your loyalty to, labor or the Democratic Party, and I'm like, uh, my loyalty is to righteousness, equity, what is fair. And, you know, depending on the day and the situation, I, I will evaluate everything in the right context and make my decision based on that. And anytime a person is independent running for office, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm running as a Democrat, mm -hmm. but I'm an independent, you know, everybody knows, um, and so anytime a person who is independent, not tied down to any establishment or special interest, they have it harder because both entities, all these entities know, Hey, we can't, we can't, we can't buy her off. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't buy her, her vote. We can't buy her policies. 
We can't, you know, we can't negotiate in regards to deals, backdoor deals. Everything has to be a certain type of way with her. We know how we're going to have to move. We don't want her. This is going to be too difficult. We don't know which way she's going to go on every, any given thing. And it was the same thing. Like I had to, and I'll just tell you this, Bishop, so you can kind of get a different idea. Mm-hmm. Soon I'll be making an announcement. Like um, it went out last week that mm-hmm. we won the ADEM slate. I ended up, I, I don't know how I won. And let me say why. Because in the beginning, I was on a slate uh, with some of the people that were now running in, for the 79th. Right. So we were the, the 79th ADEM slate. Is seven uh, women and seven men, mm-hmm. and they are the ones within the Democratic Party mm-hmm. that represent the community um, and make votes and do endorsements within the party, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so um, I really seen how harmful uh, the Democratic Party could be and these ADEMs could be when there are a minority of, you know, folks, a, a little bit of folks, making huge decisions on who's going to be the face of the Democratic Party Mm -hmm. and be the candidate that runs in these different seats. Mm -hmm. And before the community ever gets to hear who all of these individuals are and what they are about, the party already makes the decision and and basically pushes anyone who they don't want and they don't choose out the way. And so I decided to really get involved in, in the party in a way I had not before because I don't think there should be a two-party system in the first place. Mm -hmm. But since there is, I'm going to dismantle things from the inside out. Well, I was told if I ran for the 79th seat, Mm -hmm. um, it did not matter, even though these folks were my friends and and I have fought alongside them or even fought for them, um, that it did not matter uh, because they were going to endorse whoever Dr. Weber wanted to endorse Mm -hmm. and so there was no like who's all running let's evaluate this it was it was really like yes mika you've done all this work but because of the last name we have a higher chance of winning the seat so we're going to put all our energy behind this particular person and not only are we going to do that but whatever dr weber says this is what we're going to do and this is how it is with a lot of the other uh assembly seats is that whatever that position of power that person in power says that's representing that seat those agent slates normally go the direction that that public official goes right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so um so for me i was like i'm off get me out (laughs) like get me out this is not how i roll Mm -hmm. i i have the ability to think and and operate for myself and in the best interest of my community. And I got off the slate and I um, asked another young lady who was on another slate for that same district, hey, if you want to be on both so you can win. And so I started pushing for her completely and a few other folks and completely like leaving myself out of it because I wanted no part. And I still ended up winning because, you know, that's how God works. But um, it was just a reality of like, I'm willing to remove myself out of things and fight a different type of way. Right. Because if if you're telling me straight out, 
hey, we're operating this way and I know this way is wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, I'm not yeah. winning. I'm always going to fight against it, even if it's people that I love and care about. And, mm-hmm. I, and I have to do mm-hmm. what I have to do and what I what I believe and stand on. So, and, I, and I appreciate yeah. that. I know that. I know you, you came at me, too, you know, and, and hold me accountable. <laughs> Tell me like it is and stuff, you know, and I, I, anybody that respect me, they can hold me accountable. You know, um, yeah. I, I don't Same. know if, if Miss Miss Francine. Uh, Maxwell is on, but she was on. She's another one, a black woman that will hold you accountable, right? But she respect you, right? She respects yeah. everybody. But when you're wrong, or if she at least you think you're wrong, see it, see it wrong or whatever you, she's gonna come at you. You know, she's gonna. It's about accountability, right? Yeah. And we all yeah. are supposed to have that and submit to that, right? Subject ourselves to that because we want to be held accountable and things. So mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. I'm, you know, for open disclosure, I'm I'm nonpartisan. I'm not Republican or Democrat or anything. Right. I've been Democrat for a long time, but I just don't like their platform. A lot of things that they do and so on. You know, I've I've been part of the union been a union representative mm-hmm. I, I come from the rank and file i climbed was a steward became chief steward came the vice president of our local and then the president of our local and the vice president of the state council of the union i've seen all the politics all the workings in it and it's basically like you say uh the union bosses the ones at the top they're the ones that's running everything and um i'm for unions when the rank and file when the the, the grassroots members are there running it making the votes and making the decisions but most time they're manipulated and they really don't know and they tricked into a lot of stuff and so a lot of right. decisions are made at the top where the money is coming from and really that's what it's all about they're like a corporation it's about money for them and getting that membership money and using it for what they want to use for their political gain fighting for you know they you know there's some things i do appreciate they will let you know who votes who's really for the working family and things like that mm-hmm. but a lot of a lot of things that they push are racist they're racist the the at the institution i should say is racist. Maybe some of the people in it are not, but the institution is right. racist. And so that's why I have a, a real issue. And I come from inside of, of being a part of the union, from being a rank and file to being a staff person. So I, I've seen it, you know. And so you have people right. who work for these racist institutions and claim that they're fighting for justice, but I don't know how you can do that and you're working for a racist institution and so mm-hmm. on. You know, I mean, maybe you're trying to change it from the inside out and, and great, just like you're running for the offer, you say you're trying to change it from the inside out. So I wanted to ask you uh, a, a question in regards, because I had an interesting conversation with someone um, the other day. I was on this, this wasn't really like a panel, it was like an interview panel uh, of, of a gentleman that was interviewing us because he's doing, I think, a thesis or something. And there was another gentleman that was on there. And um, uh, hey, hey, Kelly, uh, good to see you. And I think Francine, Miss Maxwell, evening, but wonderful comes. Thank you, Miss Maxwell. Thank you, uh, Sister, Sister Kelly, Ke- Kelly Harvey. Uh, they're on and they say hi. Mika probably can't see you, so <laughs> but I'm living they're on. They on. So so we appreciate you all being on it and having this conversation and so on. Uh joining the conversation, I should say, with us. But one of the things that this gentleman brought up, because my issue has always been with police stops, right? Is we got to like end these pretext stops. And you know, basically for those that don't understand what a pretext stop is, a pretext stop under the the Wren, it was Wren versus um uh, I forget, was it Ohio? It was one of those states where they, um, uh, the Supreme Court made a ruling that the police, like this gentleman, I think they was coming from a drug house or something, but, but the police stopped them. But they didn't. They, but what they stopped them for, that wasn't the original reason why they were stopping them. They stopped and said, hey, you know, you're, you were speeding or you, your taillight was out. Whatever it was, they used that as a pretext to stop you, to say, because it's against the law for police just to stop you, right? They can't just pull you over and stop you. They don't supposed to. 
you uh, they supposed to have they supposed to have a a cause to stop you so what they do is they say oh there was a traffic violation so that's why i stopped you and then when they stop you that's not really why they stopped you they stopped you because they want to investigate because they see a black person driving and they want right. to stop you oh yeah he looked like a gang member so then they start asking questions you got tattoos you're part of a gang can i search your car right. you got any drugs in your car you got any guns in the car? all these different things you know and then after yeah. searching all that and so one of the things that that I've been pushing is we got to end these stops, right? End these pretext stops, which is basically racial profiling. And, you know, when you look at in the county of San Diego, nine out of 10 stops are initiated by the police. Right. And so on the other end of that, you know, a lot of folks are pushing for non-police officers to uh, respond to those 911 calls. Uh, where it's called for services, right, where people might be under mental distress or something like that. And I totally agree with that. But one of the things I was doing a little pushback on that because of where the real issue is the um, uh, those police officers initiating those stops. But a gentleman brought up an interesting um, uh, point to me the other day, which kind of shifted my thinking a little bit. Not so much shift my thinking about pretext stuff, but also supporting the other side of it too. And I think we got to have this balance is that he said like nine out of the 10 911 calls that people call for service, you know, of 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 the police officer when there's a shooting or when somebody get injured, when a black person gets shot or injured, somebody get injured, nine out of ten times when that person is shot, it is due to a 911 call. And so on the one end with the pretext stops that lead to mass incarceration, uh, the way they treat our community, older police, our community, stop them looking for petty stuff like drugs and things like that. Then on the other end, they're they're killing us, right? And so we got to have that equal balance. And I see from what I'm seeing is is and I know, you know, once you get in office, if you know, if, if you be the one that that the people choose, um, uh, you got to gather your staff and your experts and all these different folks together, to do research and put together something. But I'm really interested to know what your thoughts are on uh, balancing this out. Right. When we're talking about how the police is com police in our community versus having non-police officers on this end to respond to uh, these various um, calls, right, that may not be uh, need a police officer for, right? Like uh, the work we do with violence intervention, there's things that we can do. Other people in mental health services, there's things that they can do. They can just call us, right? You don't even have to call the police on some instances. And and the same thing with the the where the stops the police are initiating. We got to stop that. They shouldn't stop a person unless they have probable cause. Shouldn't ask to search. They should only search when there's probable cause. They shouldn't be stopping somebody just because he's on probation or parole. They have to have probable cause, right? And and right. and and even to search the car, probable cause. And so, what is your, what are your thoughts on as uh, far as uh, I think we need to get something statewide. Because the county don't have power over the sheriffs. They can pass whatever they want. We're trying to work with something with the city as far as with the pretext stop. But we got a mayor that got took union money and he's fighting against us on that. Right. I hope he changes my maybe got something in the works. I don't know. But um, as it seems right now, he's not going to budge on that piece. Right. So I think we need to get something done on a statewide level. What are your thoughts on that? No, I 100% agree. Um, I think a lot of, you know, our work has been around, you know, and, and you can relate to this, Bishop. Like, we're in a very interesting position because on one end, we're advocating to make sure that our um, our communities are not being criminalized and over-policed, right? Mm -hmm. um, and seeing that this country as a whole but even if we 
bring it all the way just down to locally, San Diego, San Diego County invests a lot of money in policing. Right. Um, and so when people are saying defund, defund, you know, I use the word reallocation. Mm-hmm. It all means the same thing. It's just the effect that you want to bring in it. Um, and I'm huge. I come from a mental health background. Mm-hmm. I was a mental health counselor for a long period of time. So a lot of these calls I feel like should be handled by mental health professionals that um, are willing to put themselves, you know, out there and intervene. But at the same time, you know, we have to make sure, you know, I hear La Jolla and other folks say, oh, we don't have enough policing. They don't come fast enough. And we're like, oh, please take some (laughs) of ours, like go ahead. And so for me, how I look at this is that I want to be able, anytime I take a case, and this is just me. I always ask people, what does justice look like right. for you? Mm-hmm. I, You know that. I always ask, mm-hmm. what does justice look like for you? Because what it looks like for me and you, Bishop, right. might look different from for what others. it looks like, you know, for somebody else. And and just to give, like, some context to that is, like, the reason why I ask that is because there are communities that don't want the police, but know that if they have the money and resources to put OGs out there and pay them and and pay these kids to stop shooting each other and get them into productive, not these rinky programs right. that, you know, are just for the, you know, the the kids that you know you're going to mm-hmm. get good outcomes from, right? right, right. right. But I'm really talking about high the risk, hardcore yeah. ones, yeah. hard to reach ones. If we were to... Um, create a pathway like like I've done before Mm -hmm. of making sure that they get money and funding and they're doing actual productive things and getting skilled right um we see a reduction in violence in community violence we see a reduction in community violence when people that are like you who can actually relate Mm -hmm. and I actually know that you care about me you're not just out here harassing me you're the one out there mm-hmm. and you have the resources and you should not be doing this work for free. Like you're the one out there and, and many other people right. and men like you um, are back out in our community. Those things are going to be beneficial, but I have to also recognize that there are other communities right. who want, you know, when I hear white folks <laughs> and white kids yeah. talk about police and they want police, I don't want to take that away from Mm -hmm. them. You Mm -hmm. go over there. But I Mm -hmm. do want to make sure that when our black kids are going into other communities, that they are not being harassed and mistreated because your community wanted more policing. So for me, in my mindset, I'm very strong about, you know, when when I was working on justice for Brie, Brianna Mm -hmm. Bell, who was slammed to the ground at Helix High School, Mm -hmm. I asked Brie, I said, what does justice look like for you? She didn't want the officer to get fired. Mm-hmm. And that blew <laughs> that blew my mind because I was ready. He, mm-hmm. And other people are like, this needs to... She didn't want the officer to get fired. But what she did want, she said, I don't want any more police on school campuses unless there is an extreme event. 
and that's that's changing policy. So I have a question for you, uh, Amika, from one of, from um, a comment. Yeah. Uh, the the ball yeah. game, the ball game. This is what he he said, and and I know you have faced okay. this, so uh, uh, maybe you can address this. He said, "Hey, Bishop, yeah. let the community know." And you too, Amika. But he didn't say you, but I'm saying you too. He said, "Let the community yeah. know that we need to pick and support a candidate for the seat and avoid splitting the black vote." because there are entities that are promoting and financing that campaign. How old is this sister you are interviewing? Blessings. So if you want to address that, you know, maybe start with the age, because that was a specific question asked about you, but also splitting the vote, because I, I know I've heard that before. Right. Okay. Can you just ask the question one more time, Bishop? The, Sorry. The, the, I just uh, want to make sure. Yeah. So, so what he, the ball game, what he said was, is that um, uh, we need to pick a candidate. We need to pick right. and support a candidate for the seat and avoid a splitting the black vote. That's the first thing, right? Because he said because there are entities that are promoting and financing that campaign. I don't, uh, uh, I don't know what campaign for yours or whoever. Um, and how old is this sister you are interviewing? How old am I? Yeah. I am 33 okay. years old. Um, and what about splitting the black vote? Because because what, 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 what this question is, and I hear this all the time in the community, is that we're splitting the black vote. Hey, you're, you're, we're splitting the black vote. And, and I know you dealt with that. And, and I know probably, you know, whoever else is running, probably dealt blacks that are running. I think, what's her name, Akila? Uh, probably, she's probably dealing with that too. I don't know if any other black person is running uh, for this position. But they're probably saying you're splitting the black yeah. vote. And um, what is your response to that? So I, I think we need to be realistic about the black vote. Okay. Um, we as black folks definitely make a difference, mm -hmm. right? We are the ones that carry us to where where we're trying to go. Um, but but in reality, we are less than, you know, 10% in, uh, we might be right at 10% within the 79th district. Mm -hmm. um, we are less than 6% within the whole San Diego County. Right. Um, and so, uh, the reality of that is, is that we have to have somebody who has the ability to build coalitions. And the only way you're able to really truly build coalitions and stay true to who um, you say you are is um, by being connected in the community. And way before, like mm -hmm. Bishop knows, he said it, I've always talked about running for office, but even when office wasn't an option for me. And even when, you know, a lot of people know me from being on the news all the time, <laughs> even when the cameras aren't around, um, I'm still doing the work, right. you know? Um, and I, and I don't get paid for half of this stuff, right. pretty much all of the stuff that I do. Right. And me and Bishop have had these conversations. Let me ask you a well. specific question, a direct question. Yeah. Um, is anyone funding your campaign just to run to split the vote so that a Latino, somebody can get in? No. Okay. But if you know of anybody who really wants a true advocate and an independent um, thinker and a person who actually has a track record of getting things done that wants to help right. fund the campaign, send them my way. <laughs> That's, but, right. Uh, That's right. No. That's right. And tell <laughs> no, us where we can I do that, you know, because we do those that do want to support, you know, I know they'll, they'll find financially to give. And Alonzo, uh, uh, Alonzo Harvey, yeah. all right, welcome, welcome on. He said affordable jobs. He's probably making a comment when you were saying something about that. Said nothing stops yeah. a bullet like a job. And that's right. And I agree yeah. 100% with that. 
Uh, and, and Sister Kelly said, don't forget affordable housing. Uh, anything you want to say about that affordable housing? Um, so I, I, I think one of the, the biggest things that you're able to do when you are um, in the assembly seat, you're able to not just, you know, directly impact the 79th, but California as a whole, as mm -hmm. a whole. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple of things that I want to do around housing. Everybody knows, like I was sleeping outside. I was so frustrated with the housing issue. I was sleeping outside um, with our unsheltered brothers and sisters just to bring awareness and to really tick off the political structure. And like one of the things, so I have a proposal that I've been trying to get done for the local level. And it looks like it will, happen once I'm in office, mm -hmm. but um, is a tiny home community for our unsheltered population, but also a tiny home community for our transitional youth. Miss Harvey uh, is a person who takes in people. She's always done that. We've, we've both come together and funded some things to make sure Amen. that especially young people had some resources and had a roof over their head and, and transition, right? right? Um, and so we know there's a deep need. We have 14, 15 year olds there, you know, um, that are not, that are not, that don't have housing, that can't be connected to school, that don't have the family support system. So I want to make sure that our unsheltered young people are taken care of. Mm -hmm. But then beyond that, we have a huge percentage of our unsheltered brothers and sisters that are black. And then another whole percentage that are veterans that have greatly contributed to um, this country, but have been left and thrown away. Mm -hmm. And so I want to be very specific about what we create on a state level in our state budget around um, housing for, because there's certain things that happen on a local level, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But housing specifically for different populations dealing with different things, because homelessness and, Affordable housing um, are are separate but very connected to mm -hmm. each other, right. and so we want to look at how are we how are we building who are and this is a this goes back to labor and, and our city council who's getting these these uh, contracts how much affordable housing is being contracted in what does that actually look like who's actually holding them accountable to make sure they're meeting the quota that is set mm -hmm. um and so that on a state level we need to do a better job of really looking at how we are building um what communities are we building in and are we just coming in and genderfying or are we um, making sure that people in these communities have access to the housing that is being built in their community, That's right? right? That's right. Um, and so, so, but, you know, we also have to talk about the, the economic crisis that we are in because of COVID and what that looks like. And how are we going to erase these deep debts that people are in because uh -huh. they could not pay their rent and all of these different things. So we have a lot to tackle within yeah. the budget of, of the state, mm -hmm. but I have some ideas of what I want to do specifically in San Diego in the 79 district, okay. but I also have some ideas of what I want to do within California, making sure that, you know, San Diego has it bad with our, our young people being unsheltered, but LA has it, you know, even worse. Right. Mm -hmm. And so 
we, I really want to have um, a comprehensive approach on how we deal with affordable housing and, and our unsheltered population. Yeah, because I know here in San Diego, they say, you know, even though San Diego make up about five, six percent of the black population, about 23 or 27 percent are homeless, the, the homeless that they're dealing with. Exactly. Over there. Uh, Lon's brother, Lonzo Harvey, said, can end violence with systems continue to criminalize and demoralize the community? Absolutely, 100% agree with you, and that's part of the problem. It actually starts violence, exactly, and, and that's the problem, right? A lot of times they say, oh, we get 10 guns off the street, but, man, y'all causing the problem, you know, especially right. when you're over-policed and under-protected. So people right. want to feel protected, and they got to do what they got to do to, to feel protected. They ain't out there to harm people or kill somebody or things like that, but they do mm-hmm. want to feel safe and protected, and they don't feel like the police is there to protect them or this or right. the, the politicians and the system right because all they're right. doing is underserving marginalizing making more laws like we're talking earlier that highly impact our, our communities and hurt us even when we try to have these grassroots foundations and organizations started to to empower the community they set up laws even to hurt those organizations where they can't even get you know started and get going to you know bring help bring resources in community it's systematic and it's, and it's racist you know well and, and it's because it doesn't look like the cookie cutter program that they can you know uh advertise and you know tokenize right and so these hard harder core programs that we're talking about are unconventional but they work you know Mm -hmm. and and we know that they work and uh, many of us have used our own resources and abilities to implement these things but imagine what they could do if they were uh publicly funded and implemented in a way that was very strategic mm-hmm. and it's not just pockets of us trying to do help everybody it's it's really a full-blown program and that's the thing i want people you know i i'm grateful for all the programs that keep these get kids busy and have all of these great things going but i'm i'm the person that is is not about the cookie cutter stuff right i want to get down to the real roots of these things because that's when we're able to change the fruits that we're actually right. bearing. And when we have the Alonzos out there, when we have, you know, the, the genuine people that actually have a heart and, and, and want to, they see, like, people mm-hmm. always ask me, like, you're constantly defending, you know, the streets and da-da-da-da-da. And it's like, no, you better believe I'm holding folks accountable in my community, right? Mm-hmm. Like, my kids that be running the streets like I'm holding them accountable at the same time and, and me and you have yeah. had this conversation Bishop but yeah. at the same time I'm going to protect them with all I have mm-hmm. because I understand the disadvantage like and and Dr. King talks about it mm-hmm. like you can't expect people you say pull yourself up by your own bootstraps but you never have boots to begin with mm-hmm. and we have to understand that historically we have had so many inequities and even when we had and we worked our tails off and we had, you know, our economy was doing well. Mm-hmm. I just wrote a, a, a whole article about reparation. Uh-huh. And I talked about even when we were succeeding, we had people that came and destroyed whole communities. That's right. That's right. right? And yeah. so we have to have real conversations about mm-hmm. like, yes, I'm holding these. I'm holding my community accountable. I'm holding these folks accountable. But I also have to give them another option i also have to make sure that you don't have your your knee on their neck every time they're trying to change their life and get it together and make some changes we need to make sure like stop 
you know, we have a criminal justice system mm-hmm. that releases folks without any resources, without any money. And now you have a record where most people can't right. get a job if they have a record. Right. So, you know, all <laughs> yeah. of these things are so interconnected and we can't keep saying, oh, you need to do better but we're not willing to give you the resources and help you and give you that helping hand to do better, right? Right. And so that's where I think we need people who can create policy that directly impacts their communities with not just programming, but transformation uh, uh, transforming these systems mm-hmm. altogether. Okay. Um, and the ball game uh, said she's the same age as my daughter. Then he also said they are, this is a good point. They are, they are financing the Latino candidate. Right. So, so that's, that that's a good point because that's, uh, uh, and they, they, you know, uh, try to try to divide and then also trying to use the money and so forth to get the candidate that they want to get in. You know, black folks who always got to fight for everything, no matter what coalitions we say we have, black and brown and all that when it comes down to it uh, uh the f- folks the other groups race groups gonna look out for theirs but blacks we gotta learn how to look out for ours so let can i can i say this real quick yeah, go ahead. bishop and i'm as meek will be the bad guy again today it's mm-hmm. okay so we need to have a real conversation with our our community mm-hmm. um because the labor is funding um, the Latina in the race. Okay. But the Democratic Party and the power structure is for, uh, is is funding the the other black woman in the race, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you have two special interest entities that are being and individual candidates that are being funded on both ends mm-hmm. in this particular situation. Mm-hmm. Right now. I'm in the crossfire because you you know I work closely with the Latino community mm-hmm. as I you know I, I go hard right. um, and I'm in the crossfire of Latino community saying we are more of the population so we should get all of the seats and that's why I said we need to have a conversation about equity versus representation and in the context of this race. What does this actually look like, right? Um, we lost Kamala's seat um, to mm-hmm. Alex Padilla, and that's why uh, Dr. Weber was put as Secretary of State. And so we we lost the Port Commission, um, all of these things. And we between the Latino community and the LGBTQ plus community, the Black community keeps getting the short end of the stick. But beyond that, we have to stop being so desperate to win and and then put what we think or put who we think uh, has a higher probability of winning, mm-hmm. but not the right fit for the seat. Gotcha. And that's why we keep coming up short. And that's because what... there is no there is no good right. to have equity and the seat still remain empty because there's no substance in the seat, like right? Clarence Thomas. And I'm not talking about anybody <laughs> in particular. Like, this yeah. is not, I'm not no, even talking about... No, I understand that. I understand that, you know, because, like, you know, we got a black person in the U.S. Supreme Court, you know, Clarence Thomas, but he most definitely, <laughs> there's no equity, not representing us. Right. Miss M- Maxwell... that we have somebody, and then they're not going to advocate for the very things that we're talking about right now. Right, exactly. What, yeah. and, and, then, and then how okay, do we... Pe- people are having a conversation right now 
who don't many of you know folks know my work and know what I've done and and well let me stop you right that. there right quick let me just stop you because uh, uh Miss Francine Maxwell said Mika please share you have been grinding before 2018 thank uh, uh thanks more than quality qualified right. thanks you more than qualified yeah and and that's all I was I was gonna go into. Yeah, that's why I, I wanted to interject and put that in there. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I started off at you know in mental health, and then I moved into juvenile justice, and I started to see the inequities in the ways in which our 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 young people were being criminalized, mm -hmm. in the ways in which our our folks dealing with mental health weren't receiving the actual resources that were available, but because the top and things were white led things were not getting down to our actual communities and getting the resources we needed there's not one part of this district that you can ask me about that i haven't fought alongside different people leaders like yourself or been the person leading on these issues mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and this is from education to economic development housing homelessness to equity you know in our educational system to criminal justice mm -hmm. reform and public safety most people know me for my public safety and criminal justice work, but that's the reality of the thing is like we and you asked me this in the beginning. How do we get community buy in? We get someone who actually represents them. And I'm not just talking about color of skin. Right. I'm talking about, uh, you know, diversity and thought. I'm talking about the way in which we strategically um, look at policy and not try to hurry up and get something passed so we can create a legacy for our own name, mm -hmm. but something that is actual sustainable in our communities, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm not new to, like, I've, I've been at this for a long time, and, and that's what's frustrating is that we get so hungry to say, oh, we're going against the Latinos, or, oh, we're going against this community, or we're going, and we're not thinking about, who are we putting at the forefront to represent us? And right. what have they done? Right. And what makes them qualify other than a degree? Because we know mm -hmm. many folks with degrees, you know how I feel, Bishop, mm -hmm. I can go on and on, don't really have the experience and the ability because they are not connected to those closest to the pain mm -hmm. like we talked about before. Mm -hmm. So you're thinking, you're thinking book smart on, oh, Two plus two equals four, connect the dots, all of that. And I'm thinking like, okay, if I if I pass this gun law, there's a whole host of young people. We haven't even worked on some of the the pretext stops and some of the other things. So there's a whole host of uh young people and and black people communities that are going to fill this law in a way that this community over in Del Mar and La Jolla never feel. Right. But over here, the numbers say that they're not only, you know, having high rates of domestic violence, but high rates of suicide. Mm -hmm. But no one's even going to stop them to even take that gun away from them. Mm -hmm. So how do I create a policy that is implemented on a equitable and yeah. not equal level yeah. at this point? Because yeah. Before we get to equality, we mm. first have to equity, go through yeah. equity, right? And, and justice yeah. to make sure that those who are being affected by things worse mm -hmm. and and hit harder, um, you know, get to a get to a place where they can operate and deal with things. Right. Then we can talk about equality, right? Oh, and so that's why people are like, "Oh, I'm tired of hearing equity, equity, equity." 
Well, I can't even talk about some of, I can't talk about unity and I can't talk about equality and I can't talk about all of these things until we go through justice and equity first. Right. And yeah, because equity is, is, is a, um, the whole system of racism, the systemic racism, institutional racism, structural racism, all these um, uh, uh, systems that are set up is designed since slavery, right? And coming out of that, it's right. designed to create inequity. It's, it's, it's designed to give advantage, right, to white mm-hmm. folks and disadvantage to black folks. And we yeah. see it. We see the, the disparity and the inequity in every aspect, whether you look at home ownership, whether you look at employment, whether you even education, right? Because when you talk about education, there are folks that have an equal, black person, white person, have an equal education from the same college, whether it's Harvard or whatever. But then when they go out and but get a get job, paid. they pay they pay way lower. And so, right. so you know, uh, whatever try to argument people try to make on that, there is a clear inequity. And that's why I'm always... Uh, I'm, it's not that I'm racist uh, in a reverse rate, whatever they try to say when I'm pushing for black people, but black people are at the bottom. And, and, and until you lift up black people, you can't lift up this nation. And that's, that's part of the problem with that. Um, and it, before you say that, that question, Bishop, like uh-huh. I think about, you know, how, and you know, this story in the Bible where it's nine, you know, it's, it's, a hundred mm-hmm. and they asked a hundred sheep and they asked, you know, what about the 99? And he's like, I got to go get this one. And when you talk about the bottom, it's like, it's not that I don't care right. about the 99. Exactly. It's that the one is in need right now. That's right. And that's the thing. And, and that's what's so interesting. And, and for me, painful mm-hmm. because when white communities, Jewish community, I don't care. Even with the the uh, Black Police Officers Association and the Black Police Officers have needed us, we've been there, yeah. right? And, yeah. and 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 sometimes, you know, sometimes these are the people that we've had to, you know, come against or come against us. But anytime people have needed us and they've been the one, mm-hmm. we have left the 99 to go right. get the one and to protect the one. And so, when and that's people, a biblical principle. Yeah, and and that's how I try to get people to think. It's not that it's not that I'm saying black people are more important. Black people haven't been treated with value. Mm-hmm. Black people are at the bottom of everything. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know why the Latino community keeps fighting with us because they're right behind us, right, right? Exactly. But they have more of you know, especially here in California and within San Diego, of. Uh, people power where when they really truly want to get something done they can because they have the population to do so we have to create coalitions with them white folks and everybody else we could possibly get with because we are such a low population so imagine having to operate like that and never compromising what you believe and, and who you are and working with all these different un, in, individuals and, and coalitions and right. groups. But Let I just re- wanted to say that. Um, thank you, Mika. Let me read, uh, yeah. Curtis, I want to make sure to get to the comments of, of folks that are um, commenting. Uh, uh, Brother Curtis Howard yes, uh, said, she makes a good point on resolving the gang activities. 
Lots of programs embrace gang members who have already transitioned from the life as a safety net to make the success rates of their programs higher. And sometimes they like what Mika was also saying is that sometimes they grab youth who would never be impacted by that. Right. And save a success. They never, they, you know, we got, you know, we have so many people, but you haven't really helped the ones that need to help. He says, nevertheless, gang activities will not subside unless you reach the more involved, right? The incentives would be a vehicle, great observation maker. And that's what we're trying to do. Uh, when people say defund the police, that's one of the things we're trying to do right now. And I'm, uh, our council member, Monica Stepp, is, is trying to do in regards to diverting or reallocating some of those funds that us that's doing that work out there, we can reach out to those who are directly impacted and bring them on in. The, the ball game said, Oh, he's talking to, uh, a friend, I think, Francine on that one. Alonzo uh, Harvey said, we have to pass legislation in regards to homes for felons. Amen. Government housing Yay. is not awarded to those formerly incarcerated. Major problem. Any comments on that? Because yes. I, I think that's powerful because whenever we're talking about uh, the formerly incarcerated, and that's what Curtis Harvard, he does also with uh, all of us or none. And we know that, that when it comes to, uh, people who are, are formerly incarcerated, especially if they had a felony and so on, mm -hmm. um, it's hard for them to rebuild their lives in every aspect. You know, um, aspect. there's some benefits in some areas if you know the right people get connected. But for the most part, there's a lot of disadvantage. And it's designed that way. That's what uh, Lonzo was talking about earlier when you're talking about criminalizing community. And then you start, you know, arresting people, putting them in jail. And now, they, they, you know, some of the people, they're not sent into prison. But they they said, we let you go right now. You plead to a felony. And so they plead to a felony right now. They got this record and now it's going to be even harder. But. I'm, I don't want to keep talking. I want to give you space. No, to give, give the floor I, I to mean, you. I agree a hundred percent. And I think, you know, Alonzo knows me pretty well. That's, that's one of the things that I'll be leading on because mm -hmm. I, I just, I'm all about balance. And this is something you said early on, Bishop, like that, that is, I, I feel like my symbol or like the mm -hmm. balance scales. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that, if if we are now if i give you everything that you need to succeed and you still just throw that back in my face and don't utilize it mm -hmm. then then we have a problem but what i've seen working with the formerly incarcerated population mm -hmm. and in the juvenile justice field is that when you actually when they have someone in their corner mm -hmm. that is holding them accountable and they actually have services that actually work. Mm -hmm. And there's not these high-level barriers mm -hmm. in between them getting on their feet. Like, you can't... And, and I say this about the unsheltered population as well. You can't... Like, you cannot say, go get a job, and they have nowhere to lock. Every time they leave their, their corner, their tent, everything gets thrown away, Okay. Okay, you can give some of those little lockers and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, there's some programs that try to get them cleaned up, but I can't even I can't even think about certain things, and I don't even have a roof over my head, right? right? And so I feel like that's the same thing with our formerly incarcerated, especially those who have felonies. Right. That we're saying, hey, don't you come back here? You know, do what you need to do, get it together, get your life together. And we give you absolutely nothing. That's and right. not do we not only give you nothing, but we put a stamp on your forehead that says, 
felon mm-hmm. and then we said go now go do something with this and that's all you have for your resume right. like that makes no sense to me and right? then they make and yeah so, they make the rules or the policies and the things what Lonzo was saying is like if i want to go and try to get housing whether it's government whatever then they say oh you're a felon so we don't give it to felons right same so many barriers. yeah yeah so many barriers and, yeah. and that's the thing these policies don't make sense right they don't make unless it is those who are profiting from it, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, and it's just like, it's just like for me, the, the, the felony thing works the same way with credit in my brain. Like, right. yeah, we need to know who pays their bills and all that on time. And uh, great. You do that. You should get some type of reward. <laughs> Kudos to you. Right. But why are we giving these high interest rates to people and them not being able to even pay the the their basic you know right. rent or all of these things because their right. interest or their car note their interest is so high right? right like what sense does that make if we really want them to pay their bills we're gonna make it to where it is you know a bill that is payable right but that's not how we think we do everything backwards mm-hmm. and and it's and it's strategically built this way right and so it it, it it's beyond just getting a person like myself into office. Like it takes, cause I'm just one person voting. Yeah, all right? of us. Yeah. And then I can build a whole policy, yeah. create a whole policy, but then I got to convince all of these other corrupt people or not even corrupt, mm-hmm. but just easily buy or easily compromise folks. Political to, to folks. It's just about politics. What's their, their next step and how they're going to climb the ladder of politics and so on. Uh, El, your uh, sister yeah. Ellen Nash, yeah. um, um, um she said, what about housing affordable affordability for college students and young couples trying to remain in San Diego? Because I know one of the things I'm always checking the data and, and the demographics and things. And we know in the past 18 years or whatever it's been now uh, that yeah. there's been a decrease or black folks are moving out of not just the city of San Diego, but the county of San Diego. And folks say they're moving back south, moving other places where there's more opportunities Houston, and so Texas. on. But we're losing yeah, a lot yeah. of a lot of black folks here. And, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure other folks are leaving too, but especially black people, it's decreases, not increasing. Mm-hmm. So she said, what about yeah. that? You know, do uh, what are your, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I do. I think, you know, and I'm going to talk about a little bit about like, climate change and 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 the way that san diego is going and then locally we have some issues right um and federally um we have some new leadership and so we'll see how that goes but i think we need to create not only um incentives for people to stay here mm-hmm. um they're they're leaving for multiple reasons they're leaving because they can't find jobs that pay them what they are worth, mm-hmm. right? And now they have all of this um, uh, education debt, mm-hmm. and they want to have some kind of, you know, equity in, in housing and property and all of that, but they can't afford it. Especially while they're going to school, it. yeah. Um, especially when they're going to school. So, you know, I'm, I've am i been, you know, when I ran for Congress, I talked about, you know, the first four years of education um, in trade school free. Um, and, and I've been huge and big on that. And then really creating a sustainable way that this state, the state of California, um, those who are from California, uh, basically have access and the ability to stay here 
and go to school and get their education um, and have housing, right? And so that that transitional housing that I talked about for um, for our our unsheltered young people who are in transition or that were a part of the juvenile justice system, we've seen Mission Valley has it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some other uh, contracts being built where you have multi-living spaces. So it's where people are going to SDSU is building Qualcomm and, and a work live space um, and stadium. And so we're seeing all of these places where, um, and, and Seattle has a, a similar program where you are living, working, going to school in that same space and it's all affordable and it uh, aligns with our climate change goals, right? And so yeah. those are the things that Amen. I want to um, really look at the way and the direction that we are going because right now, San Diego is trying to become a high-tech um, you know, place mm-hmm. and bring in places like where, you know, uh, Google and all these different places. And the places that have these high-tech places like the Bay Area is so expensive yeah. to live. So we want to make sure as we're bringing in these high-paying, good-paying jobs <laughs> and, and <laughs> companies and corporations yeah. that we're not driving our, our people out either. And I'm not just talking about our Black folks. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about just because really, mm-hmm. you know, folks going to school and different folks in different populations are really starting to be on the same playing field because they cannot keep up with the cost of living in San Diego. So we want to create incentives, state-funded incentives to keep people here, make sure that they're able to get their education and make sure that they're able to get um, a, a dignified, you know, paying job um, when they Amen. when they choose to stay here, you know, in, in California and in San Diego specifically. All right. And so um, Ellen Nash, Sister Ellen Nash also said um, she agreed uh, with some with a comment that you made. And she said Baypack San Diego will be hosting a forum before early voting. So stay tuned for that. I, 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 I want to check that. Alonzo said tell <laughs> she she did. She did. Er, when she first went in there, he said, tell him you're from the streets and Southeast Rays. She made that clear. <laughs> <laughs> I think people forget that. I'm like, no, I'm all day. But Lonzo knows. Um and I claim I claim where I'm from no matter where I'm at, you know? And I think that's a lot of people get into a certain position and forget the people who held them down, you know? Mm-hmm. And 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 y'all know that would never happen with me. Mm-hmm. And I uh, wouldn't be here with without half of y'all. So Yeah, and yeah. I hear you the ball game. I gotta say it faster, my comments. <laughs> Oh, okay. I can go faster. <laughs> and I talk a lot, Miss so. <laughs> uh, Maxwell said Republican male uh, in the race as well as interesting. He is Latino. Republican male is in there. Uh, Layla said, I'm here. Uh, Stacey Butler is watching. Um, uh, Wendy Wheatcraft, okay, they're watching. I was just trying to get to some of the comments faster. Wendy said, justice and equity first. Uh, the ball game, I'm not familiar with this young sister. I've been advocating for the community for over 25 years and I like her passion but who is behind her candidacy uh, Dr. Weber who uh, I don't think Dr. Weber is but she can no, speak for herself I, on I, that I'm, one I'm, I think I'm you probably want to answer that none one none of them yeah I said this in the beginning um none of them are supporting me and and when you cannot control somebody um 
when the establishment, the Democratic Party cannot control me and I can't be bought. And I've proven that over and over again when I have been, you know, uh, when people have tried and labor cannot, you know, buy me. And I'm all for the labor uh, uh, members, but I don't rock with the uh, leadership because the leadership is who controls everything and not the actual members and the members basically in in many ways get dictated to and and i told a story and i hope you can go back and watch about some of the things that are happening within the democratic party and people have ambition people want to run for office people want to do certain things and so they are not going to go against the establishment to uh support me even when i've done a, a lot them right but i never did that to ultimately get their support when i ran so i'm okay with the fact that i'm gonna have to run this race with the community by my side and not these special interests right. and i i want it that way because i'm held accountable by the the public by the people that i serve mm -hmm. that's how i'm even running i i i announced so much later because i had to call the bishop bowser's and the different folks that are, are supporting me and the different leaders. And I had to say, hey, what do you think about this? And made sure that this was a seat that people could actually see me in and feel like I would advocate for them and know that by the track record and the work that I've already done and put in. So for me, it's not, I, Mika doesn't get to wake up and say, oh, I want to run for office, you know? And I come from a family and I don't even use certain things within my family because I want to run on my own mm. merit and the things that I have done and not just the things that I have done, but the ability to create coalitions with the community and what the community has done. Right. And, and I want people to know when I get into this seat, you know, we're in this together um, right. because you are the ones that got me here. And that is the difference. So when you're looking for who's the big person that's going to endorse Mika, understand that I don't care who called themselves my friend at one point when it comes down to politics people will use you up and throw you away when they have ambition and are choosing to um, allow their ambition to drive them than doing the right thing right. people don't like an independent mind right. people don't like an independent thinker people dang sure don't like somebody who's transparent and tells it like it is and holds holds all sides accountable no matter what side you're on and so when they can't identify who your loyalties are to mm -hmm. um and that you're not willing to compromise they're not they're not rocking with right. you and so it's going to be up to the community to make sure that they get the word out that i'm running um and and that i'm the person that they know and, mm -hmm. and that's been rocking with them from the beginning. So, so, so Margaret, Margaret Morgan, uh, if I'm pronouncing her name, forgive me if I pronounce your name wrong, uh, said the punitive policies create vicious, wicked cycle that doesn't make sense, period. Layla said capitalism. <laughs> that's right. Capitalism. Um, uh, yeah. uh, uh, let me see. Move on down. Uh, I might miss some of your comments if I do. Forgive me. Uh, she, Margaret said you're brilliant. We need you in office. Um, thank you, Margaret. Stacy like Butler says Southeast. Um, I, I don't know if, if 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 Ben is still on, Benjamin Kelso still on, but uh, Captain, I should say Benjamin Kelso, uh, uh, welcome to the show if you're on. And I believe uh, one uh, one last comment. 
uh, I like what she is saying. What is her plan to bring all necessary resources to our community that will help our grassroots organizations help their constituents? You can comment on that, uh, respond to that comment. I think that's one of the last ones that I see there. And also, okay. I, I, I have a comment for you, I, a question for you after this. Then we'll give you, let you wrap it up with some closing words. Yeah. So I think the question was, what do I plan on doing to help grassroots nonprofits bring resources to the community? Is that was that the question? Yeah. Yes. He says, what is your plan to bring all necessary resources to our communities that will help our grassroots organizations help their constituents, people that we're trying to serve, like myself, you know, doing violence intervention prevention, trying to reach the, the high risk group? What type of resources will you bring? Like what? Monica, uh, council member step is doing for us what trying to do for the community but work working with several groups which i'm one of the groups and so on mm -hmm. you know try to get those resources so we can be a blessing to the the community and, and help reach those we're really trying to reach yeah um you know i think so just so you you all know i am one of the people that advise many of those these folks and and at some point um advise monica around what we could do, especially with the community violence and what that looked like and some of the gaps because I directly worked with, you know, the 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 gang population and um, just different young people in the community as well and worked at a lot of nonprofits. And you have two types of nonprofits. You have the nonprofits that um, are really, truly, authentically about the services and making sure that the services um, uh uh, touch and, and impact their community and transform their communities. And then you have the nonprofits that suck up a lot of the money and resources um, and don't always do what they said they're going to do. And so my commitment is to really look at on a, on a state level, the, the budget, because it's a collective budget that we vote on. What are the direct resources um, that I can link uh, organizations and I just I'm gonna be a transparent upfront. I'm only linking and connecting not the popular kids, but the ones actually doing the work and 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 filling the holes, the deep gaps and holes that we have, um, and and really have a comprehensive approach on how they are operating within our communities. Um, understanding that there's so many barriers. Those are the organizations because all the other organizations they're getting money. The nonprofits they're getting money. Um, but I really want to work with those who definitely, um, you know, aren't doing the the cookie cutter work and and getting their their hands uh, in the roots of yeah. these things and the fruits. And that's why I always talk about we need to be able to deal with the roots and the fruits. So it's looking <laughs> at the state budget, looking how we can directly get funding to these different organizations. What are the needs of our communities? How do we implement this in a way where we can um, we can measure um, these outcomes? And how I measure outcomes is I need for we and Bishop when we when you guys were heavily out on the streets. I don't I don't, I can't remember. I haven't looked at the data in a, in a while, but we had a huge reduction mm -hmm. in violence. Mm -hmm. We previous, had a huge yeah. reduction in community violence. Mm -hmm. So we know these things work. So, but not just that. Programs that that you know, I have a, a amazing concept that I want to do around the tiny home community that looks similar to Habitat for Humanity. We have so many volunteers and so many folks that want 
to do something, but we need the land and the resources to be able to do it. And so those are the things I want because I'm so used to looking at policy and connecting it directly Mm -hmm. to programs. Mm -hmm. That is how like my lens is going to be. I'm going to go in and I'm going to look at everything we have, Mm -hmm. everything that's worked, everything that hasn't worked, and then everything that we've done on a grassroots level and actually make sure that those who have done the work and we've seen the results get the actual um, resources needed to get that done. Right. And 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 not just do that for San Diego, but but look throughout California, the areas in which in the communities that need these resources that we can directly uh, streamline it to. We have too many policies where people see the policy but never feel the policy. Right, right. Right. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Absolutely. So. Yeah. And I, you know, I think, you know, when it comes to reducing violence, it's the whole community that helps with that. You know, it's just not one organization, one group, but it's it's from exactly. people like Stacey Butler, what they do It's from what the Harveys are doing, what Miss Maxwell is doing, what we do, yeah. of course, you know, mm-hmm. you do. I, I think it's, it's a combination of everybody coming together, doing their part and even just having conversations uh, can help reduce that, right? And so it's, and that's the, the, been the thing is like, let's continue to have these nonviolent conversations everywhere and however we do it, right. or whatever way you want to move in this, do it so we're all doing our part. And when that happens, yeah. it does reduce. And I don't, because when things go bad and it's way up, we'll find a specific somebody to blame. But when it's going good, you know, each group want to take the credit. And I think we all should take the credit. Everybody that's been doing yeah. this and done doing their part and been diligently out there doing it, you should get the credit for that. The community should get the credit. Right. And we should praise our, praise the community, the, those that's involved in doing this, um, so that we can keep it going, right? Instead of starting to fight yeah. and we split up and and then, then and it's disorganized. Over and exactly. fighting overcome. And that's really what I want to do. I want to not be that mm-hmm. public official mm-hmm. that puts different organizations against each other right you know because everybody and and this is historically you know as a black community and even with with us with our relationship with the latino community is that there is this notion that there's not enough room for all of us and there's not enough resources for all of us and I'm here to say, like, I, I look at budgets. I look at certain things. There's more than enough. But our priorities, you know, people in leadership who we keep electing, their priorities have been in the wrong place. Right. And they themselves have even been greedy or or took mm-hmm. backdoor deals. Mm-hmm. And so we, we need not to continue to put people who are going to put each other against each other and say, oh, there's not enough, so only one of y'all in it. You know, and so why do we have so many or 15 organizations doing 15 of the same thing? We need to take a comprehensive approach. Right. 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 But I want people to 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 know that everyone is going to get their piece of the pie because it is about how we how we really look at our budgets, how we really reallocate money, how we really prioritize what is important to us. And like I said. Comprehend uh, a, a comprehensive approach looks like what I do in Southeast might look different from what I do in Mission right, Valley right. because the 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 need is different, exactly, right? Exactly. And 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 also being able to articulate that and explain that to the community as a whole, so there's no confusion. And I promise, like when there is equity and transparency and accountability. 
then that's where the unity um, and the equality comes in. Right. So I'm actually now I'm actually my last question. But uh, thank yes, you, sir. Sister Ellen Ash, you know, for what, you, what you're saying about me. I really appreciate that. And 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 all all the community and so on that um, we work together, come together. Appreciate each yeah. other, love each other, because that's what we got to do, uh, no matter Truly. what lane we in, right? But here's here's my last question, um, and you kind of it's kind of say because you kind of touched on it a little bit already, right? And mm-hmm. and you know, cause cause like when you talk about black and brown, or you want to make it more broader and or more specific, and uh, talk about the black and the Latino community or, or Latinx, whatever term. Yeah. Some people want to be called Chicano, some want to call us Hispanic, some want to say Latinx, some say yeah. no, don't call us Latinx, and, and all sorry. these different I... terms. You know, same thing like black, African American, black American, you know, Negro, yeah. whatever. You know, and and, and, and respectfully yeah. for every person that takes the business, you got to respect that, right? And so we do yeah. want to respect that. But, you know, with with what you were talking about earlier with um, uh, the population of, of, of black folks that show up to vote, and also the male turnout to vote and things like that. We for sure got to get more black people to to um, do those mail-in ballots, right? Because I, mm-hmm. I saw some stat data on that in the county, and and blacks were kind of lagging in that area. Maybe they went out to vote, but getting those mail-in ballots. But I think also the other thing is is that you will need to cross over and, and try to win votes over from uh, white folks, Asians, mm-hmm. Pacific Islanders, uh, let, let, let Latin uh, Americans or Hispanics, mm-hmm. whatever term you want to use on that, um, mm-hmm. all these different groups. So what is your, your message to everyone, all these different mm-hmm. races of folks and maybe specifically uh, 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 to the Latin community uh, of, mm-hmm. of your voice of how, what do you have to say to them in order to get their vote? Well, I think, you know, and, and I, and I made a comment uh, yesterday and I said, you know, a student asked me what was the hardest thing about running for office. And I said, you know, having to take credit and advertise the work that you have done. Um, And so I say this in like the humblest Mm -hmm. way I can, but like, you know, those who are familiar with my work, know that I have really, you know, the coalitions, Bishop, you know, mm-hmm. that that we have are a huge amount of Latino folks, a huge mm-hmm. amount of white folks, a huge amount of different religions and different backgrounds and different thought processes. Mm-hmm. And and I think one of the things that I want um, folks who don't aren't familiar with my work is to know that and to know that I haven't just, yes, I go hard for for the Black community, um, not just because I'm Black, but because we are at the bottom, right? right? right. And and I go hard for our, our Brown community um, and, and not just because half of my family is Latino, mm-hmm. because I truly, genuinely love people. And if I see you, we're at the bottom and you're right behind us, and you contribute so much to our communities, I'm going to fight for you as well. You know, and, and I think the thing about it is people think that you always have to agree. It's it's just the right. same thing with the LGBTQ mm-hmm. plus community. Right, right. I, you know, you and I both, you know, it. all they got to do is pick right. up the phone and we will be right there. Mm-hmm. Yes, we have our own personal beliefs because of where we stand in our Christianity. Right. But I never allow that to impact 
or affect how I create policy, right. how I think about policy right. and, and it being fair and, mm -hmm. and equitable and equality, but also showing up for people. If you are being wronged or if, if something is not being implemented properly mm -hmm. towards you, I don't care who you are. That's right. I'm showing up for you, right? And that's just always been my track record. So I think for me, it is really just about being able to get the messaging out there and really utilizing folks um, who have been a part of these coalitions that um, have helped, you know, they have been a part of helping me build these coalitions mm -hmm. for them to go out and get the word out that I'm running and that this is not, you know, yes, she's going to go hard for the black folks because they need it. Right. Because right. we need it. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes, she's going to go hard for the Latino folks. But she's going to show up for everyone. That's right. And not only is she going to show up, my loyalties is only to what is righteous. Mm -hmm. My loyalty is only to what is just right. and fair and equitable. And so when your loyalty is just to that, I don't have any special interest That's pulling right. my puppet. You know, I don't have any puppet strings. Right. I don't have anybody who I have to answer to other than my community. Mm -hmm. And my community is not just black. Right. My community is is anyone who looks at me as a leader i am responsible for and i have to handle that with care and That's i take right. that and you know me like i take that with a great deal of responsibility uh, particularly young people and i think and i'm just going to say this i think young people are really going to be uh what we need and i think black uh, you know i love my black women and i'm a black woman all that but i think black men have really felt left out mm -hmm. um, and not heard. And a lot of attacks coming from different ways, especially if you are a black straight man, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, um, I I hold so much value in our mm -hmm. men. I, mm -hmm. I <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I, um, I know that I'm a very dominant woman, but I also believe in everyone playing a different position. And I call you, Bishop, I call a whole host of other Black men right. um, for their thought process, the Alonzo Harveys. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't claim to know everything and have everything figured out. Right. Or even there's certain times when I have to call you because I'm mentoring a, a, mm -hmm. a, a Black male and I need you guys because I'm not a man, you mm -hmm. know? And so there's so many different things in the political scheme of things where black men have been left out and i think although i am a woman i am going to be that person that's really talking to the needs of black men and not just telling them how we're going to do it and what we're going to do but asking them to contribute um to not only get me elected but even to roll out this work and and do the implementation piece of it as well Amen. um and so i think that that's how we're going to win this. Um, it's going to be what it's always done. Every battle I've ever had to fight, it was not just me fighting it, right? right? right it was right. not just me fighting it. <laughs> it was a whole coalition that yeah. looked like a rainbow mm -hmm. with different thought processes, you know, with mm -hmm. so many different things. But we came together because we seen something mm -hmm. that we needed to change and we changed it. And, I, you know, I have a, you know, and let me say we we have a track record where we have really got 
things done. Mm-hmm. And we don't stop until we get that change. Right. And and I'm glad you've been a witness to it. And I have other witnesses that know we don't stop. We get it, you know, and then and we move on to the next thing because we got to get that going. Right. But we need sustainable change. Amen. Amen. And I, I can say and I'm going to just uh, give a little uh, closing words here also is that I know for sure that you're going to be fair to everyone and anyone that come to you for help. Cause there's been, been things that I wasn't down with and you were down with. I said, go and do your thing. And I ain't doing, I ain't going over there with those folks, whatever it was. And so I know that you cross lines and, and wherever people need help, that's where you go. I've seen it with my own eyes. Also know what you mentioned about black men, because I, I remember when there was a heavy attack on black men on, on social media, uh, we can't protect you and be your target too. And all these other different things. I'm like, I'm not targeting no one. Why y'all, blanking and making a blanking statement about all black men because a few may have done something and you stepped up and said I, I just want to give a word of encouragement black men you know that we love you want to encourage you so in the midst of all that i'm like wow okay i know that you know she's not against black men and, and she's gonna stand up for him you know but i believe you stand up for everyone yeah. But I really appreciate being a black man. I just want to, you know, let that be known that I really do appreciate that. And you you are the real Thank deal. Because a lot of people are making a lot of comments on here about, you know, you being 100. And they really appreciate you and things like that. And uh, so I appreciate you coming on. Slow motion with Bishop Bowser. That's exactly what it is. It's about take it. Whatever's going on, we want to just come and look at that a little slower. Take Just slow down. Let's slow down and let's look at this a little bit slower. That's why I call it slow motion. With Bishop Bowser, because we want to slow things down. Because on the social media, everywhere, everything is moving fast, and people right. want things fast. And so, what what I try to do with this podcast is like, let's slow down and let's go into some details here. Whatever time it right. take, we're going to do it and 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 get it out. And and we're this will be posted up on my podcast, on Facebook, on our YouTube, on our website, and you'll have so you'll be able to to to, to uh, go back and listen to it in pieces if you want to do that and so on. And I always put out clips of different things. So there'll be all kind of clips coming out. <laughs> of, of, I don't know if someone might get you in hot water because you know how I am. <laughs> I'm going to give it to them raw and, and truthfully, right? But uh, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you, uh, Aramik, for uh, coming on the show. Thank the Lord for Thanks, all those of you. Yes, all of you, all of those that of you that have come that came on, made comments and watching and, and really participating in the show. I really appreciate that and love you and ask that you to continue to do that. You know, we may not always agree on everything, but we don't have to be disagreeable. You know, even if you're going left and I'm going right on some some issues, we can still love each other, respect each other. When we meet back up in the middle row where there's something that we can work together on or whatever it is, we should be able to do that without. Uh, discrediting people, disrespecting people, putting people down because they're not walking in the same lane that you walk in or you think they should. We shouldn't bully people and force people to to be something that they weren't born to be, you know, and and with the education, you know, get your education, do what you need to do. But the bottom line is no matter who you are, you're going to have to learn to be an independent thinker. Right. And that's what I appreciate about Mika. She's an independent thinker and very smart, very bright young lady. And we need these young women in there, right? I mean, if AOC, I don't know, I think she's still in her twenties, right? And one, one, one youngest person win a seat to Congress, right? And and she's she's a fireball up in there. And so, you know, we 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 need we need that too. So I thank you and I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to come out, come on our show, and um and wish you well 
uh, in your um, you. in your campaign. Uh, we'll be watching, looking, and and we'll probably have you back on, uh, possibly. You know, even if other folks want to come on the debate, we'll do that. I'll get with Sister Ellen Nash, who's good at that, and some others on here pretty good at that, and we'll set up a platform and and okay. have some some debates. I don't know if any are coming up, but we most definitely want to see what everybody's talking about and, and how they look when they lined up with each other. All right, so we thank everyone for uh, coming on Slow Motion with Bishop Bowser. And this is the end of our podcast. And we'll be posting all of this very soon. And you'll see a lot. You'll see the post on my Facebook page. All right. God bless you. And we're signing out.